Welcome to Matthew Felix, the radio episodes, Travelers on Travel. I'm Matthew Felix, author of the books With Open Arms, short stories of misadventures in Morocco, and the new Porcelain Travels. In February of 2018, what is now my Matthew Felix on Air video podcast began as an internet radio program in downtown San Francisco. The radio episodes, Travelers on Travel podcast, feature segments from that radio show, in which I talk travel with travel writers, journalists, photographers, and filmmakers. I hope you like the show. And don't forget to check out the current video podcast incarnation, Matthew Felix on Air, available here, as well as on Facebook and YouTube. Thanks for listening, and talk soon. Hey, check out my new book, Porcelain Travels, Humor, Horror, and Revelation, In, On, and Around, Toilets, Tubs, and Showers, an Amazon number one new release in four categories, including travel humor, and winner of Gold for Humor in the 2018 Solas Awards for travel writing. You can also check out Porcelain Travels' companion podcast of the same name, which comprises readings from eight stories, including two recorded before a live audience. Porcelain Travels the Book is available in paperback and ebook on Amazon and other online retailers. Michael Shapiro is a writer, editor, photographer, and interviewer who specializes in travel and entertainment. He's the author of A Sense of Place, a collection of interviews with the world's top travel writers, including Bill Bryson, Jan Morris, Paul Thoreau, Peter Matheson, just to name a few, and that really is just to name a few. Uh, the Chicago Tribune called A Sense of Place illuminating, entertaining, and insightful. Michael's stories appear in National Geographic Traveler, Hemispheres, American Way, Afar, and The Washington Post. Michael's photographer, or photographs, I always do that. I always mix up photographer and photograph. I don't know why we have to put the emphasis on two different syllables there. Anyway, and I even highlighted photograph. I highlighted the photo part of photograph, so I wouldn't do that, and yet I did it anyway. Anyway. Michael's photographs have been published by Islands Magazine, the Los Angeles Times, and San Francisco Chronicle. Michael also does a weekly column on gambling for the SF Chronicle's uh, entertainment section, and he's an entertainment writer for the Press Democrat. Michael recently added to his list of pursuits, turning to filmmaking. Specifically, he co-directed and produced the 2017 documentary Junkyard Alchemist about Patrick Amiot, an artist who turns junk into art. Junkyard Alchemist premiered with two sold-out showings at the 2017 Sebastopol Documentary, Documentary Film Festival. There is so much more to Michael's CV, um, but lest I feel just ridiculously inferior and unaccomplished, I'm just going to wrap up by saying that Michael lives with his wife in Sonoma County and spends his free time cycling, river rafting, sea kayaking, and volunteering for ETC, which is a group that takes disabled people on outdoor adventures. Jackie Yao, who among uh, other things that I'm about to describe also happens to be the wife in question that I just mentioned in Michael's bio, writes travel, uh, travel humor, and poignant essays. Her work has appeared in Inspirado and Ensemble Lifestyles magazines, as well as the Traveler's Tales anthologies, including Traveler's Tales China. She's a regular contributor to the annual Travel Guide to California and a founding member of Townsend Eleven which is a collective of Northern California writers who meet monthly in a converted brick warehouse in San Francisco. Townsend Eleven has published three anthologies. In addition to travel writing, Jacqueline has more than 20 years of experience in providing strategic marketing and communications to consumer, nonprofit, and high-tech organizations. She works for Stanford University, providing stewardship expertise in donor engagement for Stanford Medicine. 
Jackie lives in Sonoma County, where she and Michael enjoy exploring the wine country's back roads, sampling delicious local fare, and traveling. Welcome, Jackie and Michael. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Thank Thanks you very much. Us. Thanks for being here. Thanks for coming down from the wine country-ish. I really appreciate it. So uh, as you may or may not have seen, if you've seen my social media posts, Jackie and Michael recently returned from a trip to Cuba. I have never been to Cuba. So for me, the mere fact that they went is interesting in and of itself. However, Michael and Jackie's trip wasn't just about them. It was also about quite a few Cuban kids who Michael and Jackie made very happy. So rather than say any more than that, I'm going to let Michael start, uh, start off by telling us about the story. So Michael, could you take us back to 2001 and what took you to Cuba? Sure. Um, yeah, 2001 was my first trip and I went for a bike trip. There was a, a nine-day bike trip to the east of Cuba and I thought, wow, that sounds a fascinating way to travel and meet people. You just always meet more people when you're traveling by bicycle because you're so accessible. Yeah. And a lot of people travel by bike in Cuba because that's their only option. Yep. So um, the Sunday morning, I was on that bike trip. I was biking along. I came upon a field with a bunch of Cuban people playing baseball. It was like church for them. You know, it was parents and kids, all ages, all abilities. And they said, hey, come play with us. So I joined them. Oh, they them. invited you to play? Yeah. Oh, oh cool. Yeah. Uh -huh. So I was, I was just like watching the proceedings and they just said, uh, they said, uh, you play? And I'm like, sure. And they said, okay, you're hitting lead off and playing shortstop. I'm oh, like, there you Seriously? go. Jump right in. <laughs> yeah. That's very cool. They, wa they wanted to check me out right away. So I didn't play a full game. I played a couple innings and um, their bat was a hand-hewn piece of wood. It wasn't a bat. Per yeah. se. It was like a club. Yeah. And uh, they did have a real ball. Not everybody in that part of the country had a real ball, but they did have a real ball. And they they didn't even have quite enough mitts for one side. They had a few mitts, but there were some people in the field who were playing without a glove. Really? Just playing bare hands? Yeah. They had like five or six mitts. And so they were like, wow. you know, like the right fielder had no, you know, a couple of people, they just didn't even have mitts. Can I ask so. before I forget along the same lines, you said that they don't all have real balls. What do they play with if they don't have real balls? They'll like make, uh, they'll find some tape and they'll and just, just yeah, tape stuff yeah. together and, and you like know, a rock whack it around till it wears out. And yeah, they have so. to be really resourceful. But that was, that was 17 years ago. They're doing better now for the most part. Um, but yeah, and so the other baseball part of that trip was our group went to see a professional baseball, professional baseball game and we ended up staying in the same hotel as a visiting team. And they said, you want to sign baseball by the manager? And I was like, wow, sure. And they said, $5. I said, okay. <laughs> but I felt really bad taking a baseball out of Cuba because there are not enough baseballs. Right, for the conversation. For sure, right, and there right. still aren't. So, um, so I said, if I ever go back to Cuba, I'm going to bring some stuff. And over the years, when in, you know, I see in, in thrift shops a $5 glove or a $3 baseball used, whatever, or, you know, cheap bat. I've just been picking stuff up over the years. And then when we were actually going, I said, okay, let's, let's ask some of our friends. So we posted on Facebook. We didn't do a lot of heavy fundraising. All right, let's hold that thought because yep. I don't want to get to that point yet. Okay. And I also want, if I can, I want to step back a second because I think you skipped a very interesting step. And Jackie is nodding yes. After you played baseball with the first group, because you yeah. said there were two things that happened on right. that trip. I think you did something afterwards before you came back to the oh. States that was really interesting. And, and sort of foretold where yeah. you were going to go with this whole, this trip that just happened. So I think what you're referring to is that I told this group that I'm going to try to send you a bat. Right. Right? So like any 
great travel quest, I now had a quest. <laughs> right. It's not easy to find a bat in Cuba. Well, that was but, my question yeah. is, because you end up finding a bat factory. Right. So how do you find, I wouldn't know where to find a bat factory in Northern California. So, so tell us how that happened. We ended up at this tiny beach, um, which was actually hard to get to because it was one of the places that people escaped Cuba from. So we ended up at this tiny beach and there was a Canadian traveler there and he had a Cuban girlfriend. And this is just how it happens in Cuba. She knew somebody who worked at the only bat factory in Havana. That and she is said, when insane. you get back to Havana, and that happens all the time in Cuba. Somebody okay. knows somebody who knows somebody. Yeah. But she actually knew somebody. There weren't like <laughs> six degrees or three degrees of separation. Right, just she one knew degree. somebody who one degree who worked there. And it was amazing. I mean, we went to this factory, we saw them making the bats. Um it wasn't, I think it was like $40 to buy a bat, which is a lot of money in Cuba. I mean, at that time, people were making 25 or $30 per month. And wow. it's not much better if you have a government job. I mean, people basically were making a dollar a day. And wait, and you said bats were $40? $40. So a bat was more than US. a month average There was this dual currency system. Yeah, so um, there were Cuban pesos and U.S. dollars, and travelers typically had to use U.S. dollars. So anyway, right. so I had dollars, and it's like $40. Okay, so we got the bat. We bought the bat, and then the same woman said, I'll take you to the post office. And we went to the post office, and they said they'll box it up there. But I could just tell the postmaster, we, we met like the guy who was in charge of the post office. The way I mean, it was like sending a bar of gold through the mail. Yeah. I seriously, I would have probably heard from them, too, because I, I mailed them once. They never mailed back. And oh, heard so, from the people that you were sending it to. Exactly, sure, yeah. Sure. I don't think it ever got there. In fact, I would say the chances of it getting there are like 1%. Same thing happened to me. I was in Turkey when I lived in Turkey. This was 25 years ago, but I was sending a silk scarf home to a friend and because I I knew she'd like it or whatever. And my friend in Turkey said, why are you doing this? It's never going to make it. I Mm -hmm. said, it's the mail. Of course, it's no, you don't. It's not going to make it. And I was just so naive. I didn't get it at the time. But yeah, so same similar situation. There was no no chance in hell it was going to make it. So I'm just curious, though. What about your experience with them? I mean, obviously, it was a beautiful experience, and it was so cool that you had this impromptu encounter. And this is the kind of thing, one of the reasons that we like to travel, right, is for these spontaneous encounters where you really get to connect with the local people. But what about that encounter was touched you so deeply that you said, I'm going to find a bat factory, and I'm going to make sure that I at least try to send them the bat. Maybe it's not even going to get there, but I'm going to try. What was it about that exchange because you had plenty of other things you could have been doing while you were on your first trip in Cuba. Sure. But you made this a real priority, and I think that's just so cool. But well, what was it that... It's what I love about Cuba. You really make deep connections with people in a short time. They want to share their lives with you. A lot of them can't get off the island, so you're their connection to the outside world. So they want to hear about the world from you. They want to share their lives so that people know about them. And it's, it's, I don't think I've ever been to a place where people were like so intelligent and educated and capable and had so little opportunity. Mm. So there's something very poignant about that. They have all this skill and ability and knowledge and very limited ways of using that. Yeah, very little opportunity. It's just a a beautiful place. I mean, people really want to know you, not superficially, but deeply. And so I just wanted to... I just. Plus, I saw people playing with a club, not a bat, and I wanted them to have a bat, and I could do that. Right, right. I mean... um, you sometimes hear people say, well, I don't want to get involved. I don't want to spoil them. I don't want to leave too big a tip because that's a whole other issue. But I was in, I, I could do it. I wanted to do it. And so I did it. Yeah. And so on this trip, 
with Jackie, we weren't, just because of the time and the logistics, we weren't able to go back to that place. I initially wanted to try to find that same group of people yeah. in the same little village. Yeah. But instead, we just brought uh, probably 50 base... Wait. Oh yeah. Wait, okay, wait we're yeah. not going to go there Let's yet. Get you're you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna spoil some of the uh, okay. the the, cr- the, uh, the climax here. Yeah. Um, because I think what you guys we, ended up taking back is just so again, it's just phenomenal. But let's go back if we could, if you don't sure. mind, to uh, the five dollar baseball. I don't know if we kind of finished that part. So you're in the hotel. You uh, you get the five dollar baseball signed by uh, Victor, Victor Mesa. Mesa. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And you felt bad about taking it out, and that's when you decided. I'm going to go back eventually? Because you said that as you were leaving the island, at what point did you say to yourself, I'm not done here. I'm, there's going to be a return visit, and it's going to be specifically to help. Yeah, I never imagined it would take me 17 years to get back, but um, it, was all, it was a cumulative experience. It was playing baseball with that group of people. It was seeing another group of kids who were playing, and they said, hey, you want to take our picture? And I was like, sure. And they ran up to the scoreboard and it was an inning by inning scoreboard. And each kid put his face in a different, like one kid put his face where the number <laughs> would go for top of the first. Another uh-huh. kid put his face with, you know, the bottom of the third, you know, like the old style scoreboards, like we've even gone back to in the States because yeah, we have that yeah. nostalgia for it. So anyway, and so it was just all of these people that I had wished before I could have given something to meaningful because you don't want to just say here's some money go you know right you want to say here's a baseball here's a baseball glove you know and and so that's really what led to it yeah yeah so jackie you were not on the first trip no but um when did you so when did you first hear michael talk about it and when did you first know oh if i get involved with this guy i'll be going to cuba (laughs) i don't know i think i knew that right up front but certainly Uh very early in our relationship early on uh heard about cuba and one of the reasons is because there's this photograph, basically what Michael just referenced about the inning by inning scoreboard. Uh, for a long time, it, when we first started living together in our house, in our main dining room, um, we had that photo just sitting there. And uh-huh. I always looked at it every time I passed our dining room. Uh-huh. And it was just, it was just, you know, simply framed in a wood frame. And it's such a striking photo of these kids hanging heads peeking out around the scoreboard yeah so i've had a fascination with cuba for a long time but that really sort of punctuated it and certainly being together um the possibilities of going were much higher especially since michael speaks spanish and i don't my french and cantonese just can't hold a candle to the spanish that i've tried you've to only learn. got three languages <laughs> you've only got three oh, languages no, my, yeah. no i should say the french and and Mandarin are not very good. Cantonese, at least I grew up speaking it, okay, so I have right. a chance of doing better. But in doesn't Hong get Kong. you very far in Cuba. No, no yep. unfortunately not. And okay. Well, so, I'm guessing, Michael, do you speak Cantonese? Uh, no. See, so, so it all balances out. <laughs> it all balances out. Right? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So the, the fascination has started a long time ago. So, but the picture was in your living room or dining room. In our dining room. But mm-hmm. when did you guys actually, when did he actually tell you about his experience and say, hey, you know, sometime we're going to go back to, to see those kids or sometime we're going to go back to the island and, and try to help out some more? I think it's just been an ongoing conversation from the beginning he's okay. always wanted to go back you and just actually always knew. Yep. tried a couple times but due to family circumstances he had to cut short those ambitions to go back earlier um and so we knew it was going to happen it was just a matter of when okay and so yeah. when did it become quote unquote now when did you realize okay 17 years later now the time has finally come uh, I, you know funny enough it happened really quickly within as it tends what is to it, do yeah within two weeks really yeah it actually came together really quickly um, well, Jackie was going from a, a 
temporary fill-in position and then getting hired permanently because I'm not surprised I'd want to keep her. Yeah. And she had a two-week break. And we initially said, uh, well, maybe we'll just go to the Big Island and, and hang out and go to beaches for a week. And then I said, well, this could be our good opportunity to go to Cuba. It's uh-huh. brief. Uh-huh. You need time in Cuba. And she was like, yeah. And I said, well, I have to tell you, Cuba is not a vacation. It's an amazing travel experience, but it's not really... I mean, you can go to the beach on Varadero and just lie there, but to really see Cuba, it's not a vacation. It, it's a very emotional trip, and it pulls a lot out of you. Okay. I mean, it's definitely been the top of our list for years. It was just a matter of trying to coordinate our schedules as well as going there with the equipment. Okay. And so, so the big thing was, we've got these two weeks. This is a good time to... We can jump on it and make this happen. But then if it's only two weeks and how it was only it was two weeks before you had the two weeks, basically, or how far ahead of it did you realize you were going to go? Maybe three weeks. Okay, so two or three weeks. That's not a lot a lot of time to rustle up a whole bunch of sports equipment. So then how did you undertake that campaign? I got to say, Michael is amazing when it comes to that. I mean, if he says we're going to do X, I have no doubt we're going to pull it together. And so Michael's just he did a pop up, a pop up drive. It was a pop-up baseball drive. Okay. He just kicked into action, looked at what he had in our garage, and then put out the the sort of the, the bulletin to all of our friends and family. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we, we were collecting both equipment and money, but I knew we could only take four duffels, two each, or else it gets logistically difficult and expensive. So um, collected a little money, and then my buddy Chuck he had posted something on a message board and some little league guy gave him like 72 new baseballs and a bunch of mitts and bats. And all of a sudden we had almost three full duffels and I did buy a little stuff, mostly at thrift shops. Um, but we were, I mean, 140 pounds of baseball gear was pretty much it. So, so the stats of what you took, do you know, off, cause I have it written in front of me. Do you know what you took? Um, Other than I don't three remember. duffels, well, do you know the contents of the three Michael duffels? Michael does. Yeah, because it's impressive. It's worth listing. I, I yeah. didn't do an exact count, but okay. um, we had about fifty mitts, uh, about thirty-five bats, and I know we had about seventy-five new baseballs and a bunch of used baseballs, and then there was some random stuff like a set of catcher's equipment, a catcher mask, and a you know pad for the chest, and we had. Uh, not a few non-baseball things, a couple soccer balls. I mean, just that everything we could fit. That's just Helmet. so fantastic. Yeah. A couple of batting helmets. So quick side question related to that because it regards with what you just said. So it was mostly 99%, it sounds like, or 95% baseball stuff. Mm-hmm. So why focused on baseball? Is that because that was the interaction that you had? Or is that because baseball is even that much more important than, say, soccer? Because it seems like mm-hmm. soccer would probably be the other big sport in Cuba, I'm guessing. I don't I don't know that for sure. So was the focus on baseball, again, just because of your particular experience versus? Uh, partly because of our my experience and partly because of Cubans' love affair with baseball. Yeah. I mean, they love baseball more than any other sport. They've succeeded in baseball in international tournaments. In fact, we met this guy who was selling stamps, and he showed us one stamp that listed... Uh, a baseball tournament where Cuba was undefeated 10 and 0 against all these countries from the world. And the U S was nine and one. So obviously Cuba beat the U S in that <laughs> tournament. And uh-huh. it was a stamp to commemorate like Cuba's undefeated run through this baseball tournament. Right. And they're so proud. Like, uh, you know, we met, I'm, I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but one of the, we didn't want to like stand on the street and say, Hey everyone, free baseball stuff. Cause we didn't want to create a mob scene and we wanted to do it intelligently. So we connected with a, I know I'm jumping ahead, oh, that thought. Yeah. but I'm just going to say this yeah. baseball manager that we met, 
he was like, oh, yeah, you know, I coached Yasiel Puig when he was 12, who's now a member of the Dodgers. Right. And everybody's, you know, somebody else was like, oh, there's a guy, you know, Jose Abreu on the car, uh, White Sox that, uh, you know, I knew when he was coming up. So it's like they have all these connections with baseball. Right. To they really successful baseball. professional players yeah. who yeah. have, have it's gotten It's kind of the golden and... ticket off the island. Right. I don't know if you explained who Victor Mesa is. Well, that, that was before. Yeah. The Victor Mesa was the manager of the visiting team that signed the baseball. And I still have that ball. Yeah. yeah. And, and then he became manager of Havana's team. But okay. yeah. So uh, we're almost to the island, but I'm just curious. So three or four duffel bags. Um, and you've also got your own bags and things that you're traveling with. I mean, was that just kind of a logistical <laughs> pain in the ass? I mean, a little bit, just because generally we like to travel light. Right. And this was the opposite of traveling light. Each of us with two duffels plus our own luggage, which was you know, much smaller. Um, but actually it ended up, it felt much easier than I expected because things Well, both of you have out. arms that seem bigger than last time I saw you. So that <laughs> clearly, clearly it did you some good. It's I mean, the muscle tone, program, yeah. yeah, the muscle tone is significantly, I mean, you guys are already in good shape, but I mean, now I can really see a difference. <laughs> uh, what about customs? Did customs care? I mean, I know it's not like alcohol or bringing back cigars or something, but did was, did customs say, wait, this, what's, Surprisingly what's up with not. this? I mean, yeah. we actually just, when we checked in, we just had to pay for our extra baggage with you know, the airline. Yeah. yeah. And then they just asked us, why are you going? Because you have to list one of 12 reasons. Yeah. Legitimate reasons for going. And uh, we listed humanitarian. Yeah. Cool. I, I want to clarify because a lot of people think because of the new administration in the u.s that it's very difficult to go to cuba it's not so when you buy your ticket you have to check one of 12 boxes and humanitarian aid is one journalism one and nobody even really checks up like nobody wanted proof that i was a journalist if i checked journalist i mean it's just formality people can go you, yep. you need to buy a 50 dollars travel card and then American Airlines charges 35 on top of that to get it through them. So, Well, it's administrative fees. Yeah. It, 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 they spend so much time on that card, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. The $50 so, is that essentially a travel card. Is that basically a visa? Like a visa. Yeah. It's yeah. a Cuban visa. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. okay. So now we're arriving at the island. And I know that there were sort of two and a half, let's say, phases of distributing. And thank you for being patient because you started to talk about how you didn't want to just go and just say, hey, everyone, we're standing on a corner. We've got free mitts and, and balls yeah, yeah. And, and bats. So um, how? what was the first distribution phase sort of that, that you uh, undertook? Yeah. Well, I think Michael was smart that he started asking a lot of friends and saying, well, who's gone to Cuba? And does anyone know of anybody? I mean, so first he, he worked our network. And so I think our first place was a place called um, Mural Yolanda. Is that right? Muraleando. Muraleando. Okay. Muraleando. <laughs> you want to say Thank that? you. Thank <laughs> you, Matthew. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you want, should we spell that for your listeners? Sure. So it's mural, right? So M-U-R-A-L, which is the same in English, right? Yeah, uh -huh. mural. Yes. But then it's the Spanish form of doing, basically. Exactly. So it's, it's basically making mur muraling or mural making is the, is the rough translation. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. So that's an organization. Right. It was an organization that was a first form because these artists in that particular neighborhood found that their children in that neighborhood were not getting any instruction in art. And there was nowhere for them to go, nothing for them to do. And they really wanted to bring them together. So that was sort of the impetus for this particular organization. And it's become this beautiful mural laden community center for the children after school. And as a part of what they do, they've added sort of health and fitness and sports 
um, and wellness, health and wellness, really. And we understood that they had um, a need for this equipment. So that was, so Michael, I don't know if you want to take it further about how we got to that. May I say, it sounds like there was a Amalia Everett that was your contact. Malia, yeah. Ma- yeah. Do you yeah. want to talk about how, how, what your connection was with her? I've met her at a couple of events over the years. She's a friend of a friend, and I knew she ran programs through Global Exchange, which were these people-to-people tours of Cuba. And, now and is she, she here or there? She's here in the San Francisco yep. Bay Area. Okay. Uh-huh. I think she's in the East Bay now. But um, she now has her own company, uh, Ultra Vista. Oh, like Altra Vista, like yeah. altruistic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh-huh. Like I think it's A L T R A V I S T A. Gotcha. Maybe with an S at the end. We can look that up. We'll look that up. But um, anyway, I knew she was very well connected in Cuba, and I asked her, and she was the one who recommended Murleando, and um, and then in Cuba, you know, we knew we were going to give some to one place, some to another place. We didn't want to just say here's everything. Right. So we gave quite a bit. I mean, almost half of it to Orlando, and and then we um, we had a. Can I let me give a shout out to them because I, I looked sure. I, I did a little bit of research on them, and it just you know to your point, Jack, it sounds like such a great organization. I want to throw out a couple names. Apparently, it was founded by uh, Manolo Diaz Baldrich mm-hmm. and Ernesto Quinch Paz, uh, and they began teaching art workshops in the neighborhood in about two thousand one. And then they had some conflicts with the school, with just scheduling and things. So they moved the workshops into the streets, which I thought was also interesting. And now they have a block party that the project organizes every six weeks uh, where the streets are blocked off, table and chairs are set up, and young and old come and they share in this this big block party. And it sounds like, though, it's, it's a pretty big deal because they've got local, national, and international musicians, dancers, singers, actors, and poets. And it gives the emerging uh, and inspiring artists from the neighborhood a venue to demonstrate their talents and they have food and of course the neighbors come together in a cultural celebration and I just wanted to say that the website is M-U-R-A-L again like mural in English and then E-A-N-D-O E-A-N-D-O dot org um, so you showed up to Mural Muraleando and they knew you were coming because oh, you had yeah. already had the, con- the connections. Yeah. But when you actually show up with the goods, I'm just curious about that moment. Were there yeah. people there or was it just a contact? You dropped it off and left or were there actually people there and you got to have an interaction with, yeah. say, the kids who are going to use the, the, the equipment? Do you want to talk about that, Jackie? Well, it, uh, when we met, got there, we actually met with the artists, the artists themselves, as well as um, they have a guide. He's an artist himself and he's from the neighborhood. It's just amazing. I mean, I think we were stunned to sort of go into this neighborhood and see this beautiful mural. Um, it, it's just, it's El Tanque, which is where it's located. It's basically a converted water tank mm. that they built this community center around. And so oh, they cool. all were waiting for us there. Oh, so they were waiting They're for waiting you. For so this, us. again, to underscore, this yes. is a really big deal for them. Yeah. I mean, there yeah. was, what, five or six people? Yeah, we, we gave the stuff directly to the adults. We came during the day. The kids were in school. Yeah. But we did come back later and we met a lot of the kids too. Okay. Right. Okay. So we, it was, was a two-phase experience for us. It yeah. was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, they sang for us and we got, I think we spent three hours there the first time touring the whole facility and learning about it. And our guide, Michael, was amazing. He, he was named Michael after Michael Jackson. But spelled oh, that's too cool. In a different way. He, Michael was called, uh-huh. his parents really liked Michael Jackson. Yeah. And he was phenomenal. So, so he really took us through the whole space. And we gave the baseball, all the equipment to the whole whole group. And they explained to us how meaningful it was to them. Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to say that I did, I actually looked at their website. And the murals are beautiful. 
And um, so it's worth checking out the website. What they're doing is really, I mean, it's it's really worthwhile. But then I heard you say you didn't go just, you went twice. You went, we went once, twice. dropped the stuff off with five or six adults, and then you went back and actually interacted with the kids. Yeah. And you said mm-hmm. they performed for you. Mm-hmm. I think Michael might have done some dancing. Did well, I the, read the about that? The dancing actually happened the first time. Well, dancing both times. So the first time this... I mean, they also have activities for children with developmental needs. Mm-hmm. And this particular, is it Jessica? Was that mm-hmm. her name? She's, Jessica in Spanish. She's Jessica. so oh, yeah. beautiful and could dance a storm. She actually was the one who took Michael by the hand His during that first year, visit. The first, yeah. She just happened to be there that afternoon with her mother. Yeah. And she took Michael because basically the one of the three music groups that teach lessons to the children. They have three rock groups or I don't even know different music. One's Afro Cuban and the other two are rock and roll. Anyways, one of the groups was performing and Jessica took Michael by the hand during this performance. They were just rehearsing and started swinging him around. They started dancing, teaching Michael how to lead her in salsa. Did it make you uncomfortable that she was moving in on Michael right in front of you? <laughs> was that awkward? I was, I was impressed. You were impressed. I, I could only bow okay. to a greater force in myself. Well, that's very so. big of you. That's <laughs> very big of you. Yeah. And she she's loved, she so was so enamored of Michael that before we left, she actually handed Michael a drawing that she created for him while we were touring. With and hearts. Then, with hearts all over it. Oh, so it got even more serious. It got more serious. <laughs> got more a serious. love note was passed to him. Yeah. Beautiful, her beautiful art. So, Michael, did Jackie end up doing any art for you afterwards to sort of <laughs> reclaim your favor? Was there? Was that awkward? Was she that... actually, when we travel, usually when I go somewhere on my own, she'll make me a little card saying, Miss You, Love You, whatever. Aww. But uh, no, but on a serious note, this gal, um, Jessica, or Jessica, she was one of about nearly 20 people with developmental disabilities that they work with at the center and they use artist therapy, which I think is so amazing. But this gal, she's a 15 year old girl with down syndrome. And she, I mean, the salsa is in the blood, you know, they, she was, she knew all the moves and she was leading right, me and it was right. spinning me. And <laughs> that is so cool. That is so yeah. cool. It was you, guys, the highlights. you guys know creativity explored. That oh. does the same thing here mm-hmm. in the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm talking to them about having them come on, on the yeah. show because they do the, that exact oh, same thing. Great. They do um, art therapy with developmentally um, challenged. Are they or, based in the mission? Uh, yeah, their main office is yeah around uh, yeah. around yeah. the corner from my house. They're on 16th. Yeah, usually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So they're a little short staffed apparently right now, but um, hopefully they will be on once uh, once that's no longer the case. So I'm looking forward to having them on. I think that's cool. those programs. Yeah, are so cool, and the art is so great. I mean, the 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 art. I love you know creativity. They used to have. Do you guys know Boogaloo's in the Mission? Anyway, mm-hmm. it's a it's a it's a brunch place, and they used to have creativity explored. They would have um, their artists. Oh, they, cool. It was basically a constant oh, exhibition, a constant rotating exhibition. And uh, I just always love this stuff. It's it's um, it's great. So um, let's move on then. Anything else to say though? I guess about that first experience, or should we talk now about the second distribution phase sure. of your of your trip? That sounds good. Okay. So what was that like? So we. I just sensed that when we got to Cuba, we would figure out on the ground some of where it's going to go. We wanted to have a couple of points to begin with, but uh, one of our drivers said he knew a Little League manager. It was a national, not a touring team, but a team that was competing to be the best under-12 team in Cuba. And they actually had uniforms, they had equipment, but they always needed more. So we brought some equipment over there, and I remember when we gave it to their manager, he looked at it and he, like, took a fist and tapped his heart. I mean, he was overcome for a moment and really appreciative. And we knew they were traveling to other cities throughout Cuba. So we asked, we want to give some of this to you, but we also want you to take some of it 
and where the needs in the more rural areas are even more extreme, please share something. He, oh, so that was perfect. They said they would. Yeah, they so they were they like your distributors. Then. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So you had local <laughs> distributors. That's cool. Yeah. It was wonderful because we actually went to the field where the, the teams were playing and met the children. The under 12. Who would actually be using some of your stuff. Right. Yeah. And they yeah. were actually at that time competing to be on the under 12 Havana, I mean, under 12 Cuba team. So you right. gave them a leg up potentially. Maybe. It I mean, couldn't have hurt, <laughs> right? To have It couldn't have hurt to actually have gloves and, and real bats yeah. and real balls. So yeah. do we know if they, how they placed? The tournament's still going on. It's still think, going on. I think okay. it's going right. to uh, It's over several weeks. So no, we don't as of yet. Okay. So. Fingers crossed. Yeah. What's the name of that team? It's just the Havana under twelve little league team. Yeah, so it's like the each each. So there's all these districts within Cuba, and each has their all stars. So they were auditioning like fifty some of the best twelve and unders, and they were going to make a team with what twenty three kids or something. Yeah, they had A, B, and C teams competing that day, and so but yeah, so they were. And it's and the manager was saying, you know, it's really hard to tell a parent because it means so much to the family if the kid makes it, but more than half don't. Right. And he said it's really hard to tell their parents, and like some some parents get really upset, but um, right, it's just what happens. So then when they get down to their twenty three team, you know, they play like the best from Santiago de Cuba and the best from Cienfuegos. So there are maybe eighteen teams th- throughout Cuba. And they, they end up playing each other to see who will be like the best 12 and under. You know, it's like the Little League World Series right, here. Right, right, right. So. Very cool. So then, I don't know, there was a third sort of mini distribution. I don't know if there's a story there, but it sounds like you, um, again, you were concerned with, one of your concerns was you wanted to make sure that the, the equipment, some of them at least, made it to rural areas that you couldn't actually travel to. So you met a third person who was able to help you with that, I think, a little, Jackie? Yeah, this was another driver that we met, and he was going to the east east part of Cuba, which Michael had been to before, and that was really what one of part of your quest was also to bring it back there. But unfortunately, this time we didn't have time. But he also knew of a baseball team. It's amazing. Michael is extremely skilled at this. Is finding people who know somebody who has. It, it. sounds like it. I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's not hard to find people in Cuba <laughs> who will take your bats and your balls and your gloves. That, yeah, but. that's true. Again, it's yeah. like carrying around gold and saying, "Anybody want any gold?" To your earlier right. kind of example of right. sending it through the mail. So, Michael, you said though uh, in the, the the post that I read about this that you hope to emulate what you guys have just done in a year or two and go back uh, with art supplies though for Muraleando mm-hmm. and possibly a new bat for the players in that village where you played 17 years ago because you couldn't go to that village this time because that was in the east. Right. Again, I mean, Cuba's right? a very long island. I mean, if yeah. you were to ride your bike from one tip to the other, it'd be something like a thousand miles. So. Seriously. A thousand miles. Oh, I mean, is... if you were as the crow fly, sure. I'm, I'm, th- I'm thinking about a bike trip, the arc of Cuba. As the crow flies, maybe 700. Okay. But I know Havana, which is two or 300 from the edge to Santiago de Cuba, is like 500. So it's far. Okay. I could be thinking kilometers. I'll, I, I'll have to measure. But it's a long it's island. It's still, it's a big it's island. It's a long island. And the way we were getting around, it would have taken. We wanted to see this place called Vinales, where we went uh, in the western part of the country. It's where they grow a lot of Wine tobacco, and um, yeah, so uh, we went to a tobacco uh, plantation, or, and mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but um, for me, what was the most memorable parts weren't the touristy things we did. It sure. was definitely 
going out to see a baseball practice, giving stuff away. Um, Seeing a man hold his heart because he's so <laughs> moved by what you've done. Yeah, right. I mean, it moved us. And I will say that in addition to those three major distributions, I think what was really moving too were the, we also held back different baseballs. And actually at the airport, we, we thought maybe we didn't buy enough or bring enough. So sure. at the airport in Miami during our stopover, we actually bought stuff from the, from the Marlins <laughs> as well, as well uh-huh. as a baseball uh-huh. with all the logos of the, na- of the national well, what happened was national teams. So one of my friends made a donation that came in as we were flying, and I saw it. I basically said, "No more." You know, we have what we need. Right. But a buddy, a good friend from high school, gave me, uh, I think, a hundred dollars towards this, which was like very generous. Um, and I said, "I don't. I, I want this money to be used for something else." So in in Miami, we found this Marlin, you know, Miami Marlins baseball team, yep. and they have this store there. And so we bought, like, the, they you wouldn't even use these balls. You could, but they have these logos for the Marlins. It's and, more marketing and, and, material. And couple, so yep. we bought, like, a couple with all the major league teams just to give. And you want to talk about one of those where we gave them to? Yeah, it was just moving. Sam I mean, we and... yes, one was a woman who operated the elevator in one of the Casa Particulares that we were staying in, one of the sort of the Airbnbs, right. the Cuba Airbnbs there. And she would just see us lugging these duffel bags all the time. And so we and we knew she had children. So we gave her one. Our drivers, but, but you guys sons. said you bought these in Miami, so you mailed yeah. them to these people now. No, we or? actually no, we stopped in Miami on the way to Cuba. Oh, on the way to Cuba. Oh, sorry, yeah. sorry. I was thinking so, you were on your way sorry. back. Sorry, on the saying, way yeah. to yeah. yeah. Last so we minute, you got the donation yeah. on your mm-hmm. way. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Cool. And so we held those back, and for those extra special connections, we would hand them to them. Like there was this one, the person that we met, the stamp collector, who loved baseball. I mean, he was just overcome when we gave him that one baseball with all the team's logo on it. Oh, that's so cool. That commemorative thing. And you remember he liked the uh, it had like a little silver decal that showed it was official major league merchandise. <laughs> and he's like, oh, you know, this is the this. real deal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We gave because um, he was a collector. Yeah. We gave our guide, yeah. Michael, named after Michael Jackson, the Marlin socks for his nephews. And he was overcome <laughs> his twin nephews. So yeah. just things like that really made a difference. Very cool. Okay, so you just mentioned a fact, which was the length of the island, or the supposed, whether it was miles or kilometers, we're not sure, but we had, at least we know the island is very long. I'm going to throw out a few other facts that I looked up just out of curiosity from beloved Wikipedia. I didn't realize, but Cuba has more than just one island. It also has the Isla de de la Juventud, which is Mm -hmm. the island of youth, Mm -hmm. and several minor archipelagos. Archipelagos? Archipelagos? Archipelago. However you say that. Archipelagos, <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, Cuba is the largest island in the Caribbean, that I knew. But what I didn't know is it's the second most populous after Hispaniola, which is Dominican Republic and Haiti, with over 11 million inhabitants. Mm-hmm. That kind of blew me away. I, di- I didn't realize there were that many people uh, and in Cuba. And if you think about, I mean, if Cuba's economy was functional, there would probably be 15 million people right, on the island. Right. I mean, it's just... And that's really one of the real tragedies of Cuba is that every family is broken. Every, like our guide, Andres, um, this 32-year-old guy who doesn't really have the means to leave the island, at least that's what he told us, and he's watched several friends go. Sure, he's anyone watched, who can get out. You know, different. He said he didn't have a lot of family members, but an, uh, at least a couple of family members uh, have left. Yep. And everybody you meet is is not really around their family if they're staying in Cuba because 
their uncles left or their aunts left or their cousins are gone, you know, and, and a lot of the young people are trying to go. Sure. So sure. Yep. It's hard to see. The territory of Cuba was inhabited by the Saboni tribes in the fourth millennium BC. So I thought that that was really interesting because, of course, I knew, you know, the indigenous people were here long before, but I didn't realize fourth millennium BC. So I found that pretty interesting. Until the 15th century, Cuba was inhabited by the Amerindian tribes, which became a colony of Spain until the Spanish-American War of, ni- of, uh, of, 19, of 1898, when Cuba gained nominal independence as a de facto United States protectorate in 1902. As a fragile republic, Cuba attempted to strengthen its democratic system, but mounting political radicalization and social strife culminated in the dictatorship of Fulgencio Batista in 1952. Further unrest and instability led to Batista's ousting in January 1959 by the July 26th movement, and that is when um, communist rule was established under Fidel Castro. Since 1965, the state has been governed then um, by the Communist Party of Cuba. And um, something you talked about, tobacco. So one of the only, it's one of the, uh, Cuba represents one of the world's only planned economies. And cause I was wondering what is the main economy? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, uh, exports of sugar, tobacco, coffee, and skilled labor to your point. It's mm-hmm. a very educated population, which we don't necessarily think of when we're thinking of the economical stru- or the economic struggles that we're familiar with. Mm-hmm. And yet the thing that I, I have heard a lot in the past is that they export doctors. I presume they, they still do that, that, um, mm-hmm. throughout Latin America. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting sort of seeming contradiction there. Um, Okay, so we have a few more minutes, and I wanted to talk about Cuba in general, and that's sort of why I went down some of, some of the facts. Uh, what are some of the places... Well, let me think, because we don't have a lot of time. I want to make sure I ask the best questions here versus the outline that I had established, because you've touched on a few really interesting things. Can I just say one thing yeah, about please do. being a traveler there? Is please that do. Cuba really had Airbnb before Airbnb existed. They didn't have the hotel infrastructure. Okay. And they didn't have good restaurants. So the restaurants are called paladares. That means they're in somebody's home. But some of these homes have been like a three-story beautiful colonial house transformed into just a restaurant. And it's a private enterprise that does pay tax to the government. But the food is good now. And mm. we had some amazing meals there. Good now versus and yeah, and, and it is better it was, than it was, oh, it was prior previously? Terrible 17 years ago. It's hard to find a good meal. Interesting. And heartbreaking, too, because there was more hunger on the island then. And people would just watch you eat. And you'd be like, oh. you know, and I'd say, can I take something out? And they're like, no, you no. What are you talking you know, about? You don't do that here. Right. So, um so it's a it's a much more uh, enjoyable travel experience, and we stayed in this incredible apartment, not expensive, overlooking the Malacan, which is a seaside boulevard, and you know, in watching, Havana, in Havana, yeah, yeah, watching watching people walk up and down the Malacan and the old, you know, nineteen fifties American cars drive right. up and down, and how do they maintain those? Do they are all the mechanics there? I mean, what about parts and the mechan? Are they just it's so just their thing, and so they've got the expertise? They're it, do you want me to, I'll just say yeah, this real yeah, quick and then I'll yeah, talk to Jackie. Yeah. So two things about the Cuban cars. Yes, they're incredibly agile and innovative in creating parts for 50s cars or old Harleys or whatever they have there. And the second thing is it's not the original motor. They're all diesel now. Okay. okay They've taken out the engine and replaced it with diesel because diesel is much more efficient and the diesel is cheaper than gas there. So it's just so, the body. The only body is the yeah. same. Yeah. Everything else has been probably replaced. So if they're going to all that trouble then, it's presumably because they have a love for these vehicles. Well, or, because they're cash cows. I mean, 
you, Americans like to go there and find taxi drivers who drive the old cars. So okay. if you have an old car, you can be a taxi, you know, you can take people around and make good money. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah. it's largely because it's so they it's, keep those old cars around for the tourists. Yeah. It's like it's like our streetcar or our, our trolley or something. Absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Um, did you have something to say or should I ask anything to add on that point? I would say the only thing yeah. to add is that I think people who have it, it's not that they buy it. It's because it's been passed down to them from okay. their father, or their grandfather, like our guide. Uh, Leandro, I mean, his grandfather gave it to him. He never learned to drive until that was given to him at 19. And he yeah. spent the next however many years learning at the knee of his grandfather and how to fix the car. Because I was like, oh, did you know how to fix it? Right, said, right. No, 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 no. I had to learn from my grandfather and I learned to drive and now I have a business. But one day he drove us and he actually usually hires a driver to drive his car because he runs another business. Um, but he also because he has no sense of direction, which we uh -huh. thought was really funny. <laughs> For a driver. So we're in the uh -huh. car with him. He said, oh, no, no, I'm really bad. I go, oh, right. So what, you had to guide for him or well, between, the, it, between the three it, of you, was, you figured yeah, it out? We did, exactly. Well, you just, I mean, in Cuba, you just pull over and say, hey, where's so-and-so? Right. And it's like, oh, you know, go a few blocks straight, take a left, and then ask somebody. <laughs> yes. I mean, they, yes. One trip, we asked six different people. We stopped <laughs> our taxis. And, uh, yeah. Actually, stopped. when we were going to Murleondo, because it's not in the center of town. Cool. So we have three minutes and I want to go back to something you said earlier, Michael, that I, that I really liked. And this is a, a longer than a three minute conversation, I'm sure. But you said early on, you need time in Cuba. It's not a vacation. So, I mean, some of that we can obviously glean from this conversation, but I'm just curious if you have additional thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the root of the word vacation, vacate, you don't vacate in Cuba. You absorb so much uh, emotionally, intellectually. Spiritually, I mean, one night we went to this thing called La Rumba, which is Afro-Cuban music. I would encourage everybody who goes to Cuba to see Afro-Cuban music at least once. It's yep. incredible. Yep. And then music's everywhere. It's in the parks. I mean, if I think of my favorite moments in Cuba, we just started walking up and down the residential streets, off the tourist track a little bit, and you'll find a shoemaker working in the street, or you'll find some guys fixing a bicycle. There's a lot that happens out in the street because they still don't really have air conditioning there. So, oh, wow. I mean, yep. in in places for Luxury. tourists they do yeah, yeah but yeah. the average people don't yeah um so it's just and everybody's happy to talk that's what i would say i don't even know what you first asked me but i would i, would I don't know but i liked the answer <laughs> i liked I, all the answers I know, that I were in it there was great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean i would just say cuba's not hard to get to you yeah know, we booked a ticket online from san francisco to miami to havana and we were there yeah and well, and that was one of my questions because I had, and, and I didn't ask because you already answered it, but I think that I was surprised to hear you say that. I didn't know because I knew that things had loosened up under our previous president. And then I didn't know if, if our current president had enacted, because I know it, he, our relationship is once again cooled, at least at mm -hmm. the political level. And so it's good to know that you don't have to go through Mexico or just go with no. a cultural trip that you can still, independent people can still just go. And independent people who are listening, who are thinking about going, hopefully you will also think about taking some baseball gloves and mitts and balls and bats. And what else might someone want to take? I would say take? any educational items. Books, art Books, supplies. art supplies, pens, paper. Books, all that English is or Spanish? Relievers. Or both. E either or. Either, yeah. I mean, they'll read English. Most people speak some English. I mean, they, they never have enough, like, Tylenol or Advil. I mean, Basic they, medicines. We actually soaps, donated all shampoos. that, too. We brought a lot of, we brought our just basic over-the-counter 
medications. Really? Pepto-Bismol, you know, Imodium, all um, the stuff Band-Aids. I mean, that you can steal from hotels, you can bring to <laughs> Cuba because they don't, you know, shampoo, conditioner, soap. There's no, I mean. Interesting. They, they just love, I, I mean, I had this scented candle that somebody had given me as a gift and I didn't want it. So I threw it in the bag at the last minute and we gave it to this woman who was kind of like a housekeeper at one of the places we stayed. And she was so... Just so I, I brought some, I actually brought jewelry and some dresses, designer dresses that I, instead of trying to sell them, I actually gave them to women I saw um, that I, be, I developed a bond to. Do you have any regrets for the money that you missed out on by doing that? Zero. <laughs> <Yeah>. Absolutely zero. <laughs> you could have, if they're designer dresses, you probably could have got a, a handsome sum for those. Definitely. Is it too late to ask for the dresses back? <laughs> no, they look so much better on the the singer. Did that you see I gave that? Oh, did did you actually see her gave... wear it? No, see she any held of them it up to that? her. And, yeah, uh, you could envision what it was going to look like. Yeah, yeah. she, she, she would look herself. far more gorgeous yeah. than I would. Yeah. I thought she should definitely have that. That dress. is very generous of you. Yeah. And actually, you know, the, so we need to wrap up right now. But the reason I wanted to have you guys on is because I was so touched by what you did. I think it's so great that you did it. I think it's fantastic that. 17 maybe it took 17 years but the point is you went back and you touched so many people's lives and you know i like sharing these kind of stories because it just reminds us all to think in those terms right particularly those of us who travel a lot you know think of the places where you're going and how you might be able to how easy it is to have such a big impact so your story inspired me i know it inspired a lot of other people um, so thank you very much for being on the show today and thank for driving you. all the way uh, down. I really appreciate it. And before I change gears, I want to um, mention both of your respective websites and also the uh, Moraleando website. So Jacqueline Yao, so J-A-C-J-A-C-Q-U-E-L-I-N-E, Yao is Y-A-U.com, JacquelineYao.com, MichaelShapiro.net. So Michael Shapiro is S-H-A-P-I-R-O.net. And then Moraleando, if you want to see some beautiful murals and some other art and potentially support a great organization in Cuba, that is Moraleando, mural, E-A-N-D-O dot org. 